0: the world is like a ride at an amusement park and when you choose to go on it you think it's real because that's how powerful our minds
1: are i can tell you from experience the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is don't think feel it is like a finger pointing away to the moon
0: don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory you take the red pill you stay in wonderland and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes
1: Greetings, brothers from sunny Arizona. This is the Liberation Mentor Podcast, and I'm your host, Nick Gerhardt. I hope you guys are exceptionally happy and healthy, no matter where you are in the world and what it is that you're doing. I wanted to share something with you guys. I've been going back and forth as to whether I'm going to share this, but um, you know, I've chosen to live my life in a pretty, pretty open way, and you know, there's very few things that I keep secret. We all have secrets. I definitely have have a few that I'm not going to share, but. This is just something I was kind of trying to figure out. Was this too much or was this an overshare or was this something too personal? But I ultimately decided to share it with you guys because I just think it could help some of you as it helped me. So last year, I went to Hawaii for a couple of reasons. One was to scout the venue for the retreats that I've I've been working on that I've been doing. And another was to drink ayahuasca with some friends we had a small private ayahuasca ceremony and my goal going into that ceremony or my objective my intention is probably the best word keep in mind if you haven't done ayahuasca and you're planning to do it or even if you have done it and you want to do it better i strongly suggest you have an intention before you go into into the the ceremony so you decide what you want to get out of it what questions you want answered or what you want help with or what you want clarity on and for me i wanted it's so, so difficult to explain. This is so intensely personal, but every now and then a phrase will come to me and it will just stick in my mind. And I'll just know instinctively that there's a, there's an important meaning behind that phrase. I don't know how I know it. I just do. And for me, the phrase that was in my consciousness leading up to that ceremony was the blessing of the firstborn son, right? Now I happen to be the firstborn son in my family. And, you know, growing up, my mother was very religious, and uh, she was she was Christian, very Christian, and that meant that the rest of us were basically Christian as well. And she was always researching Judaism as well, because Judaism and Christianity are very closely linked. They have the same root in Abrahamic monotheistic religion, and um, she was always talking. Whenever some of the stuff filtered down to me, I would see this idea of how in the jewish religion children in particular the firstborn sons are considered to be very special right and there's always a kind of a ritual that accompanies that in the case of judaism it's it's um the bar mitzvah right where the father shows his son to the community and says this is my son i'm truly proud of him and i always thought that was really interesting and i always had a deep instinctive belief that there was something to that, right? There's something to that ritual, that process that, that Jewish people do to kind of pass on the bloodline or to pass on a blessing through the bloodline. And I didn't really think about it much more, but then, as I said, just before this ayahuasca ceremony, it started to pop up into my consciousness. I kept thinking like the blessing of the firstborn son, that's cool. Wouldn't you like to have that? You're the firstborn son. That would be a cool thing to have. So. You know, I went into the ceremony and that was what I asked for. And I said, like, like, help me figure out what this means or help me to get it. You know, that's what I was asking the medicine for. And I got the best, (laughs) I got the best answer I could have possibly asked for. And the one I was not expecting, which is, (laughs) this is fascinating to me. It just shows you the power of this medicine. It said to me, you can have the blessing of the firstborn son. But you must be prepared to take the responsibility of the firstborn son, and that really shook me up, and it made me stop and reflect on my relationship with with my parents in particular. And I realized that I I hadn't been fulfilling my responsibility. You know, I live thousands of miles away from my parents; I don't get to see them often. But you know, I wasn't. (laughs) It sounds so trivial, but I just wasn't calling my mom enough. You know, I just wasn't staying in touch with my parents enough. I wasn't just wasn't living up to my side of that, of that, that bargain. Right. And the long and the short of it though, the point I'm trying to make to you guys is the importance of trying to heal that relationship with your parents, whether or not they're around or not still, it's just so essential to becoming a happy, healthy, well-adjusted man. And I hope if you are listening to this, if there's some bad blood between you and your parents or some, some sort of negative emotions or some history or trauma or something that you're carrying, I hope that you do everything in your power to overcome that because it doesn't serve you. I can promise you that it doesn't serve you, despite the fact that you may be right or on the right side of the argument, or you may feel that you were treated unjustly. It still doesn't serve you holding on to that. Anyway, guys, I just wanted to share that with you. I hope it it gets through to some of you. And uh, let's jump into the guest, which is Mike Chang, not to be confused with Mark Chang, who was on a few weeks ago. Mike Chang is someone who I truly appreciate because he's authentic, right? And that the the older I get, the more I learn about life, the more I learn about treating people properly and, you know, running a business properly and just being a good human being, the more just keeps coming back to authenticity, right? And I look back at the times in my life when I was inauthentic and realized that uh, it never served me either, being inauthentic when I was younger. And um, I don't always get it right, but I'm striving to live a life of authenticity. And it's largely because I'm able to interact with people like this who show me the path. So I hope you guys enjoy listening to this episode with Mike Chang. Hey, brothers, welcome back to the Liberation Mentor Show. And today's guest is someone that I've been wanting to have on for a while. He is the mentor and friend of one of my Closest brothers, a gentleman named Stephen. Yeah, put me in touch with him. His name is Mike Chang. He's the founder of the Flow Training Method, and someone who I can safely say is an extremely self-actualized man. And you guys know that that's what the show is all about: becoming self-actualized, becoming happier, healthier, and more joyful. And that is what Mike is specialized in is is helping us get there. So, Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, thanks, Nick. Yeah. So I want to know a little bit about. How you came to be this, I guess specimen is is the only word we we can use to describe <laughs> a guy like you. This is unfortunately an audio only show at this point, but if you guys could see the picture of Mike staring at it, it's um it's pretty impressive, man. I mean, the guy looks extremely healthy and happy and just uh, you know someone who's mastered mastered his physical vessel. And I just want to want to ask you, Mike, are you someone who's always been like that, or is this a like since you were an adult or what led you on, onto that path of becoming so physically actualized, I guess?
0: Well, you know, the, the physical part, I've been, I've been training since I was 11. And, uh, and the interesting thing is, you know, I'm sure just like many people, um, I started training to, uh, to want to feel more confident, <laughs> to be less fearful. You know, I grew up in Houston and I uh, used to get picked on a lot. And so I wanted to work out to build big muscles. So this way I can physically be stronger and also appear to be more, uh, more intimidating. I got into some martial arts, you know, and, uh, and all of it really was just to, um, you know, just to feel more confident, better about myself. And I basically went throughout my life, um, bouncing between being in business and uh, being in uh, um, fitness. And, um, and It wasn't until about uh, about five years ago that I actually took a really big step back and started going down the journey into into self realization, into spirituality, into understanding <laughs> the deeper layers. Until then, it was like the layers. Oh, it's all about just the muscle about <laughs> about being uh, uh, you know being fit, being lean, and also about how to create everything that I want on the outside. And funny enough, I got into I got to a a level of success that was pretty pretty satisfactory for for what I wanted to reach. You know, I didn't have to worry about really anything anymore—not money, not having friends, or or, or self respect. You know, all this stuff on the outside, and yet the inside, I was more stressed, more emptier than ever. And the funny thing was. Um, I didn't realize that it was happening at the time. I had very little realization of it. And through a whole chain of events, <laughs> you know, it made, me, it made me realize what was really happening. And I just took a step back from everything in my life and just ran the other direction. And uh, it's been about five years now. And I've, I've learned a lot. And, um, and now I'm just back to go and share everything that I've learned. Because I know there's a lot of people that's uh, that's on a very similar path, uh, creating a lot of success on the outside, including physical and things like that. And um, you know, at some point, you know, hopefully they don't they don't have to hit rock bottom to to realize that there's something more. Maybe they can do it simultaneously.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> it's always good to skip the rock bottom phase. <laughs> <laughs> so you said there's a, a sequence or a chain of events that that led you to that point where you realized, okay, something's got to change. Are you, are you able to share that with us? Absolutely. So I
0: was, I was in an event, this was, uh, February 2nd of 2015. And this will be a day that I'm going to remember for a long time. And, uh, I was, I was in the States, I was in the United States, I was at Utah and I was in a kind of like an entrepreneurial, it's not a marketing event, but it's more of just like an, it's an entrepreneurial networking event, I would say, And it was like four days and the last day, the last day, there was a few different things that just, just, just led up to this final kind of this final finale. And so I have to say that before going to this event, I have been doing yoga now for about two and a half years. I wouldn't say I know much besides yoga helps me become a little more flexible and just kind of help me stretch. That's about it. I don't know anything about anything else, you know? And and I was doing that about three times a week. Now, I was meditating about five minutes, uh, maybe three times a week, and it just felt like forever every time. So, it wasn't very deep, but I was you know, kind of going through the motion. Uh, I did feel a little difference, but it wasn't really dramatic, but it was enough to kind of create, help create this experience. And also, another thing that was really interesting was that I've been a guy that's been pretty, pretty physical my whole life. I get into a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of trouble, and I, and I get into a lot of things where I hurt myself, and I've always found a way to heal myself, and I've gotten really good at rehabbing because I've gotten really good at injuring myself. And I kind of have to go both ways, and so this now, however, before before February second, I had this injury in my back that I didn't know why, but it wouldn't go away. It was in my right side of my lower back, and I injured it, you know, lifting something heavy. It was a tree trunk I found at the park. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was a little high and I was staring at this tree trunk thinking it would go really nicely in front of my front yard. You know, I just got to go and lift it and uh, bring it to the car. And, uh, you know, the car was about 50 yards away and I'm thinking, well, okay, you know, it looks, it's a good size, but I think I got this. So I, I bear hugged it. I stood up, walked about three steps and put it down and realized how heavy it was. And, you know, I decided, oh, this is a nice little challenge. I'm just going to kind of make my way to the car nice and easy, you know, just Mm -hmm. three, four steps at a time. Well, then I went ahead, grabbed it again the second time. And the second time, the moment I lifted it off the ground, I felt this really sharp pain on my back. So (laughs) then I put it down right away and said, okay, never mind. I'm just going to get some help and I'll come back another time. Well, so the pain stayed and I realized, okay, so I've injured my back. It's no big deal. I've got these all I got protocols to fix this. A month and a half, it'll be done. I'll be back to normal. So the funny thing about it was it never got back to normal. And it progressively got worse. And that was strange mm. because I can heal everything on my body. And so it got worse and worse. And eventually this pain that was in my lower back also started in my front abdominal, in my right lower front abdominal. And so I got pain in my back, I got pain in my front, and it got to the point to where I couldn't stand sit. Or lay down without pain. The pain was always there. It was a low level to extreme, extreme high level, like jabbing, like a knife jabbing constantly, just sharp, sharp throbs, you know, and it'll last that way for an hour or more. You know, come and go. And it was just really bad because my job was to make fitness videos. You know, I had a I had the biggest channel on YouTube at the time for fitness. You know, mm-hmm. we were we were at like three and a half million subs at the time. And so that was part of what I did. And yet I couldn't even function without pain. So nine months of this. And another thing, and I'll explain why this is significant. Another thing was um, I had, I started to have problems with memory. I started having problems with attention. It was really hard for me to keep up with very sophisticated conversations or also just keep up with my managers. When we had meetings, I literally couldn't, I couldn't connect the dots to what they were saying anymore. I hear what they're saying, but I couldn't connect dots enough to give any type of intelligent feedback. Jeez. And I didn't and I didn't know what was going on. You know, it was the strangest thing. It's like I hear them, but I nothing was clicking. And I didn't tell my managers because I didn't want them to lose confidence in in me managing the department. I was managing seven departments and almost every department I didn't really know what was going on. I was like, what is happening to me? It's the strangest thing. I felt like I was becoming stupid or something. But I was like, <laughs> I don't remember when this happened. Or just suddenly, I just suddenly realized one day, man, I'm having a hard time understanding what the heck these guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. And so so this was happening, you know, and I was just really stressed. So now fast forward, it's February 2nd, it's the nighttime, and I'm sitting at this event and I'm I'm listening to I'm listening to this guy, you know, as a friend of mine uh, doing a talk. He was talking about authenticity. And he was talking about how we aren't authentic unless we don't care about what other people think of us. And not as in we don't care, we're non-compassionate. No, but just like we, like we are constantly doing things to please other people, to get acceptance and love, you know, and validation and praise. And therefore we can't be real. We can't be our true selves unless we let that go and just let our own self-expression come out. And mm-hmm. I remember when I first heard that, I was like, wow, well, of course that's true. And I'm totally authentic. And I remember sitting there and just I kept listening to the, to, to, the, to the talk. And I started to realize, I started to think of different instances where I would care. And then more started to come up. And before you know it, I'm sitting there and I realized I actually care like crazy. I actually care so much that I don't think I'm authentic at all. And yet here I am teaching other people how to be authentic. Like, holy crap, this was like a really big shock to me. And I remember just sitting there, just feeling... A little shameful at the fact that this is happening. But at the same time, I was so determined to stop it immediately. And whatever it takes, I'm going to stop giving a shit. And at that very moment is when it was going to begin. And so this was around seven o'clock at night. And so now later on, later on that day, I took mushrooms and some MDMA for the first time in my life. And it was because everybody else was doing it. And uh, it was such a good vibe crowd that I decided I'm just going to go for it too. And so later on, we're in this room, we're kind of hanging out. And people are asking me about how I grew up. And when I started to share my grow up story, everybody's got a childhood grow up story, you know, that we've repeated like hundreds, thousands of times. Mm-hmm. So it was really easy to just repeat the same story. And I just talked about it. And the funny thing was after I said my story, I realized that there was no, um, well, I I said my story in a different perspective. It was a perspective that didn't come from lack. It didn't come from pain. It didn't come from I was being picked on. I was being beat up all the time. People made fun of me. I was this little, poor little Chinese kid growing up, you know, that felt lonely and afraid. That was kind of like the normal story, you know, in Houston, Texas and the ghetto Mm -hmm. and et cetera. But no, I didn't say that. Instead, I said it from a different perspective, and it was true. You know, and it was like I was inspired by Arnold movies, Jet Li and Bruce Lee movies. I had neighbors <laughs> that loved to work out with me, and we worked out and we played. And me and my mom would watch Arnold movies, and, and it, was just, it was just this inspiration to train. You know, I actually wanted to go to Shaolin school, you know, when I was eight. Yeah, my mom convinced me not to, but I was really close to just going, just becoming a monk and training all day long. It's like, whoa, what <laughs> a dream. And so I, I kind of I shared that, which was also true. That did happen. And I never realized it in that point of view. And so when I started to talk about the rest of my life, and how the major events, and I said what drove those events, I said it from, I said what drove those events was, you know, this needing to prove, needing to prove. And then suddenly I realized that if I didn't have to prove myself, that those events would have been different. And every part of my life would have evolved differently. But the fact that I I had this urge to prove myself, this feeling of not being enough, it caused me to go to those events, have those things happen, and the ripple effect created into exactly where I was at that moment. And I remember sitting there going, "Whoa!" If the whole time I thought I am this story in my head. Who are you, Mike? (laughs) Oh, I'm this, this, and this. Right? Who are you, Nick? Well, I grew up here. I did this. I did this. I hang out with those. It's like that's what I thought. I was as a person, but yet if I suddenly created a different story, then that means I suddenly changed and it's impossible for me just to suddenly change. Nothing has happened. I was still there. So I realized at that moment that I couldn't be any of these stories that I was saying in my head and that every story, these thoughts, they're not accurate. They're thoughts, but they don't define who I was. Mm -hmm. I am not the voice in my head. And I remember this realization, like, oh my God, this is a really big thing. I thought I am talking like there's I, I'm that voice and everything that voice says is accurate. And suddenly I realized I wasn't the voice. Hmm. And then when it happened, I, I, then I asked, well, who am I? What am I? (laughs) And then I, then I had this knowingness that came in that I'm the observer behind that's observing the voice. I'm the Hmm. one being aware of the voice, but I'm not the voice. And I remember this being such a big shock, and I started to breathe heavily. And I was like, whoa, this is big. Let me take some deep breaths. And I started to breathe heavily, and I started to tap my head on the top of my head because I felt this weird sensation on the top of my head. And I just started thumping on it. And I kept speaking out loud these realizations because they were really profound. And I paced around the room because that's what I like to do when I talk. And so I continuously did this and people eventually kind of walked off, did their own thing. And I just continued speaking out loud to myself while I was breathing, deep breathing and uh, tapping myself on top of the head. And I did this for six hours, nonstop. And at the end of the six hours, that pain that was in my back and in my abdominal was completely gone. My mind that I was not able to understand complex things Blew up like crazy to the point to where the the way that I can the only analogy I can come up with is my mind upgraded into like some crazy supercomputer, and I've suddenly been able to analyze and hold on to massive amount of data and information simultaneously all at once. And I remember walking, looking around at people, thinking maybe this has something to do with the mushrooms, but I don't think it's the mushrooms exactly because nobody else is is having this experience because they were. They would look at me and they would have this thing like, this is happening to you too, right? You're feeling this too, right? And <laughs> yeah. nobody was getting this crazy reality shift, you know, state shift. It was, just, it was just me. And I was like, whoa, something is happening. And I was walking around the room and I was so light in my body that I was practically floating. Like I felt like my chest was floating off the ground, like somebody was lifting me on the back of my shirt constantly. Mm-hmm. My arms are floating. I was looking at my body and I realized I've never felt this way. I know how my body feels, especially for somebody like, that, like me that's been in like bodybuilding for two decades. Mm-hmm. Like This is not the way my body feels. And I felt so amazing, so good, that instantly I knew that this is what I've been looking for my whole life, to feel this way, to be this way. But yet I never knew how to get there or what it was until that moment. And that moment, the way I felt compared to how I was when I got to that retreat or even just the, this, the other day or earlier that day, it was a complete night in difference. It was so different that I had no reference point. I had absolutely no reference point to how I felt. Like I had no idea what happened. There was, I never felt that good. Nothing can even compare. And compared to how I was before was like death. I mean, it was like literally the image that I had was I was in a dark hole chained up with no light. And I was just wow. in there. And I told myself and constantly out loud to everybody else who was around, you know, <laughs> I told myself, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I was, sorry, keep in mind, right, Nick? I was practicing on not giving a shit, right? So I, here, here I am speaking out loud, you know, all these high-level entrepreneurs and influencers around who just met me a couple of days ago. And I didn't even care if they thought I was crazy. I was just talking out loud with these realizations. And I was saying out loud that I don't know what just happened, but I will do whatever it takes to hold on to the way I feel and the way I am. And I will give up everything in my life if that's what it took. I don't give a shit. You can take everything. I'll sleep on somebody's couch if I can hold on to what it is that I'm experiencing. Because this is the best I've ever experienced. And I'm the happiest person in the world if I can just hold on to whatever is just happening. And the second thing that I promised myself is I'm going to find out exactly what just went down because I had absolutely no idea. But whatever just happened, everybody wants to experience this. I have no doubt in my mind at all that everybody wants to experience what it is and I'm feeling like It's that damn good
1: of course it's what everyone's so everyone's looking for right and it's it's what it's what they mistakenly believe that they're going to find through money or power or sex or whatever it might be but at the root of it all is they're all looking for that connection yeah
0: absolutely that connection that experience but they have no reference point With mm-hmm. n- people most people don't have a reference point unless and so therefore they they it's hard to get to a place that they've never been or never felt And, you know, the closest reference point that, that people nowadays are able to, to have some way of experiencing is being on some type of plant medicine. And, and even so it's a short period, it's a short period. And, um, but it's the closest, it's the closest thing. And a lot of people, when they hear, hear me talk about this, they're like, well, yeah, I've done some shrooms or I've done some LSD or I've done some ayahuasca or something. I'm like, well, so imagine, yes, imagine that. But also having completely no fear and no worries, like that, was completely gone. And I was in this state for over two weeks. Wow! And it was just, it was just the best thing. I wasn't tired. My energy went through the roof. I slept an average about two to three hours a night. I had no bags under my eyes. That was the amazing thing. Mm-hmm. No bags under my eyes. I was completely alert, completely awake. And later on, I started to find out that I actually opened up my kundalini. You know, people talk about these kundalini awakenings. My Mm -hmm. opened up and it just blasted me and I was just in that state. And afterwards, I never went back down to how it was. It dropped down maybe about 50% or so. And since then, it's been just finding out what created it, how to create it again, and how Mm -hmm. to show other
1: people how to do the same. Geez, Michael. I mean, first of all, thank you for being so honest and sharing, sharing that with, with me and, and the listeners. I think that's an amazing story. My first question, so you use the word reference point, which actually, funny enough, I use whenever I take MDMA and I'm, and I'm with friends, I usually take in, in a setting with like a small group of friends. One of the things I always say to him is like, this is how we're supposed to feel all the time. Right, like I said, this is, and and I say literally that word, that phrase, reference point. I'm like, this is a reference point that everyone should, everyone should take MDMA at least once, so that they have this reference point of how you're supposed to feel. But I go back and forth because I start to think to myself, I start to doubt myself, and then I start to wonder, maybe human beings, maybe the human experience is just not meant to be felt. Or meant to be lived in that way all the time. Maybe you're not meant to be super happy on cloud nine without a worry in the world. Like maybe part of being human is, you know, sometimes you feel crap. You know, and and I just love to know. I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Do you think that that state that you reached is something that you can be in permanently, and or do you think it's it's the human experience has got a much broader range of emotional states, and then that's it's more likely that you can. Experience it only a few times in your life, or only for brief flashes in your life. No, you can experience it constantly.
0: I know that to be a fact. So the the experience when somebody's on MDMA or mushrooms or any type of psychedelics, mostly what happens is they're they're in like this, they're in this joyful state, they're in this excited state, and their perspective shifts. But that is usually only. Um, only practical for leisure. It's only practical to have fun. It's only practical to kind of just kick back and hang out. Mm-hmm. However, if somebody was to try to be in that state and try to get anything done, it would be very difficult <laughs> for, for multiple thing. right? And another thing about being in that state is a lot of times like the, um, the energy is not still. It's not calm enough. It's heightened. The vibration is very high, but the energy is not calm you know it's very it's very um still chaotic and the problem with that with that is anytime when our energy is not is not calm our mind can it, it has an opportunity to go ahead and race and that's what happens that's what that's how people's mind chatter begins and continues it's because the energy is not calm
1: interesting so you believe mind chatter is a function of imbalanced energy and that's what causes it to arise yep
0: it's that's a that the energy in the mind the the energy in the body which is the mind you know that there is no like if you can't point to the mind because it doesn't it doesn't exist as a physical thing uh-huh. and so therefore their mind is a representation it's an effect of the energy in the body mm. and so most people's energy is very chaotic. It's, uh, it's blocked and it's jumping all over the place. And so their mind is constantly racing. So then at the same time, as their mind continues to race, it also continues to get the energy to go. And so it's like this feedback loop. And so what I found out and what, what I found out is, well, there's two ways to go ahead and get this to stop. There's many ways, but there's two main ways. If we look at the human, if you look at the human person, we have the mind, the body, and the spirit, consciousness, awareness, soul, et cetera. Those, that area, I don't focus too much on because it's a lot more stagnant. It's more It's more of staying the same. But our mind and our body is what changes constantly. And so if we want to go ahead and get into this nice, joyful, happy state, you know, then we need to either get the mind to be quiet and slow down, which then will get the body to co- slow down, or we get the body to slow down, which will get the mind to slow down. So, so there's one of two ways, right? And most people, they find, well, the mind is the one that's bothering me the most, it's saying all these negative thoughts, and sometimes it just won't shut up. So let me just go ahead and try to silence the mind. So then they try to silence the mind, but it's really difficult, and they try to sit there in meditation, but they feel like they got ants in their pants. And so... This was something that I faced and I started to realize that I wasn't the only one. There's many people that's facing. I'm like, okay, well, why is this happening? There's got to be another way to do it that is also very effective. And I started to learn that yoga was actually created, like all the asanas, all the breathing, all of it was actually created to help somebody meditate. Mm -hmm. And so... And it's because the body needed needed to be just more calm. The body needed to be more calm and more relaxed. And when it did, somebody can actually sit still, and their mind can actually be calm. So I started to I I started to dive into that, and I started to also study. So I studied a lot of different areas, and I have a I have a tendency. I did the same thing with fitness. You know, I have a tendency to study a wide variety of things because I realized there are truths in everything, but there are so many perspectives, and I wanted to try to find the fundamentals. The fundamental concepts, the fundamental principles. So this way I'm not locked in into just one way. I actually operate through fundamentals instead of with this is the way just because. And I started to realize that if we we get our body to be calm and relaxed and we get our body to let go of tension, let go of tightness, then it would allow our feelings and our emotions to be calm and relaxed too. And the reason why that's important is because our feelings and our emotions end up driving more of our choices and our decisions, It drives mm. more of our thoughts, more than just our thoughts alone, because the subconscious mind is driven by the feelings and emotions. And the subconscious mind, as a lot of people know, makes up for 90 to 95% of who we are and how we act. So I, I looked, I was like, okay, well, if we did that, this doesn't mean that we, we leave the mind alone completely, but it's like the foundation. It's like the foundation to change our state of being and change our our state of consciousness by getting the energy, which is the fundamental building block of of what we are, and to be able to go and get the energy to be calm, get the energy to be able to flow. And when that happens, then we can go ahead and start to work on principles in the mind, belief systems, and all these things. And the mind is now more acceptable. Because we literally, by just changing our emotions and our feelings, we change perspectives without even having to to learn anything new. Literally, our perspective changes when we change the feelings and emotions in our body. Somebody cannot learn a single new information, but you just had them do a practice to where at the end, they feel relaxed and calm. Now, they haven't learned anything new. And now the perspective on whatever is happening can shift. And it does shift. I find that
1: so fascinating and one, for many reasons. I mean, the first is that I've just, you know, since this lockdown thing began about eight or nine weeks ago, I've, I've always done meditation and I've always done yoga, but I've kind of been putting them together lately. And every morning now I do an hour of, of stretching and, and yoga before I meditate because I just find the meditations are so much more powerful when my body is relaxed. So, I mean, I, I, and I just kind of stumbled upon that myself which is, it's great to hear you confirm that because now I know I'm on the right path with that. And then the second thing is you mentioned that when you change your emotions and your energy, then you, your perspective often shifts. What I've actually found is, I mean, I believe that I'm sure that is true, but I found that the opposite is just as true in that when you change your perspective, your energy and emotions change. So, so, I mean, the example I'm, uh, the quote I always use, it's probably my favorite quote now of all time by Dr. Wayne Dyer, which is when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And to me, I'm always looking for new perspectives because to to me, the quickest way I can change the way I feel is with a new piece of information being brought into my consciousness. So a real world example that actually happened just before this, this call and is one of the reasons I had the but this call started a few minutes late is I'm usually, everything's ready to go perfectly on time, but I was having a deep conversation with my wife this morning. I woke up and I was really irritated by what I perceived to be something she had done or hadn't done. And I was really holding on to this and I could, these thoughts were racing and I was angry and there was a negative emotion in my body. And then I went down and sat, sat with her and we had this conversation and she gave me a completely different perspective on the situation. And I realized that actually this was actually the, the, the root of this was something I had missed or a mistake I had made. And as soon as I had that new perspective, the energy and the emotions within me changed completely. Right. So what are your thoughts on that? Like, it's, it's almost like a two way mechanism. It can be like, if you, if you change one variable, the other one changes automatically.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They both affect each other. And, and I find that a lot of people, um, because when we when people are developing their mind, personal growth, all this stuff, it's all on the mind, and so heavily emphasized on the mind, and so it's absolutely true. I just find that a lot of people haven't uh, haven't looked at it from the other perspective, which is then we change my body to also influence my mind, because mm-hmm. I think in reality, the best way to do it is let's just focus on both. So this sure. we're coming from both ends, right? Mm-hmm. And that's actually what what uh the training method that i do now you know i call it the flow training method and all it is is like every single morning you do a practice seven minutes 30 minutes or 60 minutes and that takes care of the body part along with some some basic principles of the mind and then from there then there are mind principles to practice on you know and, and you know surrender principles or different things like that but the basis of the of the body is taken care of and because it's really difficult. It's really difficult to be encased in a body, to be connected to a body that is feeling really uncomfortable. That's feeling really, really oh, agitated, so true. very tight. Man, that's so true. And no matter how hard I hold on to the perspective of, I'm going to see this as great. But it's like, imagine like you got this very irritating thorn, this very irritating physical thing that you can't get away from, right? We're physical beings we're, and we have this physical body. And we are feeling this agitation physically all the time. And when it happens, it's like we can only hold on to a perspective for so long before it's like, oh man, I am just, I have to try to separate from this pain, separate from this agitation. So if we get the body to feel good, you know, then automatically we're we're able to be in a sense of ease. We're able to feel comfortable. And then from there, it's so much easier to shift our perspective.
1: Yeah yeah, you're so right. Uh, you know I'll, I'll share something with you, Mike that I think you might appreciate. When I started you know doing this combination of yoga and, and meditation simul, not simultaneously, but but very close to each other eight, nine weeks ago. the reason I did so is because um, during my meditations, I was actually I couldn't really sit for much longer than a few minutes because I was developing this pain in my in my thoracic spine, you know, just this discomfort. It would start as a Mm -hmm. knot and then it would gradually turn into a cramp and get worse and Mm -hmm. worse. And I just realized, fuck, I can't, like, there's not, you're right, I couldn't hold any other perspective in my mind because the pain was so distracting, right? It was Mm -hmm. so uncomfortable. So then I started thinking, okay, well, I need to stretch that part of my body out before I meditate. And then I started stretching it out. But then I started thinking, well, I might as well just stretch the whole body, right? And the interesting (laughs) thing was what it led me to, like, i I literally spent eight weeks working on that particular imbalance in my body and and what happened is I realized that that was connected to a particular relationship that i that went sour several years ago between myself and someone I was working with, and how it was it was like kind of like an emotional wound that had been stored in my body, and I know that sounds totally fucking out there and you know, ten years ago I would have said that's crazy, but after some of the stuff I've seen, I can I can believe anything at this point, right? And and I, I really think you're onto something. Like a lot of people don't realize that the body and the mind are they're a symbiotic um organism and that, you know, we we store trapped trauma within our physiology, within our tissues, right? Like you can you can see it in the way people move through the world and the way they walk, the way they carry themselves. A lot of the times the the reason they have poor posture or the reason they don't have a presence when they enter a room is because, you know, they're carrying something within them that, that, you know, causes unnecessary tension, which then causes a pattern of more tension, which causes them to hunch over, which causes them to not look people in the eye. And then it's this like constant circular reinforcing kind of spiral of negativity. And, um, so when you tell me about this, this flow, flow training program, it really, it's, it excites me. I think I'd, I'd like to try that. You, you,
0: you, will like it. You know, you'll like sure it. you're will. absolutely, you're absolutely right. You know, if, if somebody was to, was to the next time they get stressed, the next time they get angry, worried, right? Any type of negative thought or emotion, all they have to do when that happens is pay attention to their body. If all they did was just pay attention to their body, the next time they get into an argument, whatever it is, they will find that a part of their body just got tight. A part of their body just tensed up, just locked up. Maybe they just started biting their jaw. Maybe they clenched their toes. Maybe they shrugged their shoulders. Maybe they, they sucked in their abs. There's a part of their body that changed as a reaction. And it's a reaction because they didn't choose to do it the body reacted just like how the, how our body, if you put your hand over fire, you don't have to tell yourself to pull away. Your body will react and pull away. Mm -hmm. Right. And so our bodies react, you know, react to negative emotions, just like it reacts to pain. And so when this reaction happens, the, what happens from here is so now we have this tension. We have this tightness, but in a perfect world, Right, we have this tightness because we're angry, but then now the anger is gone, right? We settled it, so then now our body should just relax all the way back to how it was, and then we just move on with our life. Mm -hmm. But the problem with this is that our body doesn't relax all the way back to ground zero, it holds on to a small percentage of that tightness, and we can't tell because we're not so connected with our bodies, our attention. Is now on something else, phone, computers, what's going on in front of us, and we aren't paying attention to what happens in our body. So you got this little bit of accumulation of tension, this little bit of accumulation of stress, right? It's a little bit of accumulation of blocked energy. Now, if this only happened once, it's no big deal. But you imagine all the way to childhood when we start to develop our ego, our sense of identity, and we start to get mad, right? And then that accumulates constantly every single year until in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and so on. Think about the amount of years and the amount of accumulation of tension. So when we look at that person that's hunched over, it's because of all of these years of accumulation in their back, accumulation in their, in their shoulders, accumulation you know, of tension that has now changed their entire posture. And so to reverse that, all we have to do is, number one, start to teach the body how to let go. Because we're doing two things. We want to, number one, let go of all of the accumulated tension that the body has stored. By letting go of the accumulated tension, we also open up the inside of the body. We open up the flow of blood, oxygen, energy, meridians, capillaries, veins, everything. And now any energy that's blocked, any emotion, energy and motion is the same. Energy is just just energy and motion. That's emotions. That now gets to gets to move and that gets to be gone out of the body. And now we get to let go of all the accumulated through all these years. And we start to teach our body how to let go on command, how to stay in a default state of calmness, a default state of relaxation. And now we stop accumulating anymore. So when we do get mad, right, we're having this argument with this person, but our body doesn't respond with that tightness like it used to. So now all we're doing is just verbally having a discussion. There's no, there's no angriness inside the body. The body feels completely relaxed mm-hmm. and you're talking and they're like, well, blah, 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 and you, you, you. And you're like, yeah, I see what you mean. And then you're talking, you're hearing it, but your body feels entirely calm and relaxed. And so even your mind is going, man, I can't believe this asshole is saying all these things. And <laughs> usually when we say, say that there's this response in the body, but now you've got no response in the body. The body is simply chilling, just hanging out, relax. So, what happens is you don't got the emotion, the feeling in the body that's feeding more thoughts of, I'm going to say this to this person, blah, blah, blah. We say something, the body gives us everything is okay. That's the message the body is giving us everything is fine. You're not, that person's not a threat. This situation is not a threat. You are perfectly fine the way you are right now. And so, therefore, now our thoughts are being encouraged to be more clear, they're encouraged to not be so a fearfulness, you know. Mm-hmm. And now that's how our emotions and our feelings affect how we think. And that's how we suddenly start to engage differently because our body literally is just not freaking out
1: anymore. Yeah.
0: And this just takes practice. You know, it just takes practice of reteaching our bodies how to do that. Because our bodies, most people bodies don't know how to physically let go. Literally it's like a physical thing. Like somebody doesn't know how to how to do how to do a squat or how to do a handstand or something, and people's bodies literally do not
1: know how to relax. But it's a skill. It's a skill that can be learned, right? Especially Absolutely. With a program like yours. So I want to know, Mike. Uh, look, I, I pretty much I believe everything you say because I've seen seen improvement in my own life and the lives of people I work with, and you know, guys like you are, are great examples. I, I want to know how your how your life has changed since that experience um, at the entrepreneurial event, you know, you said you'd do anything and you'd you'd let go of everything to to maintain that feeling. And what happened after then? Did you, did you leave your business? Did you, what did you do to like keep chasing that feeling or or to get to the point where you felt that most of the time?
0: Uh, one by one, I left everything in my life. I left my company. I left my social circles and left the relationship I was in. And the I mean, and everything was doing well, you know. Quote mm-hmm. feels good, but I realized that what I was experiencing, what I wanted to learn, and was so extreme that nobody around me could even connect to it. Nobody had any idea what was going on, and I wasn't just going to to stay around just because I didn't want to hurt someone else's feelings or because I feel there's some type of social obligation. No, this is my life and I need to go ahead and pursue what I just accidentally discovered. Mm-hmm. And I knew the sacrifice was big. It was going to take releasing and letting go of everything. And so I did. And like within three days, I told my partners I'm out. And it took about seven months after that to go ahead and for me to to completely disconnect from the company you know, and I sold my share of it. And then they just continued on, you know, within a week from that experience, I, my, me and my girlfriend went separate ways. And it was, uh, you no, know, at the time I told her, like, I told her, I realized so many mistakes I've made. Everything's going to be different. She was really happy about it. But the moment I mentioned that some mushrooms had wasn't, it was involved in it. She didn't want to hear it anymore. and just became very bitter about the whole thing. Whoa. And. Um, you know, I try to tell her like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is the best thing ever. Like, oh my wow. God, let me tell you about all the realizations. So from, from there, it was just a wall, you know? And and I realized, well, if she, I understands, okay. You know, that's, that's her choice. But now I need to, I need to just disconnect. And also my friends, you know, I've, you know, my friends are just, you know, they're good people. But, you know, they weren't into these things. They weren't into these things. They go out, they party, they have fun. I stopped going out. I stopped listening to music, you know, I, I wanted to go in and I wanted to connect. I wanted to, to understand stillness, silence, you know, these things, I was so of avoidance, you know, in my life, complete avoidance, even though I had stopped drinking, but I was an avoidance of my thoughts. I was an avoidance of the way I felt. And I wanted to stop all the avoidance and I wanted to face everything head on. And, um, and that's what I did. So I didn't even listen to music for many years. Wow. And uh, I stopped watching movies. I was watching two, one to two movies five nights a week. And uh, you know, it was just a way for me to
1: go ahead and just zone out. Sure. One of the things that like, I, I teach my clients is that there's, um, there's three ways, unhealthy ways that we deal with unwanted emotions, right? So first of all, the healthy way to deal with an emotion is to let it be felt completely and then let it... Exp- be expressed and let go of right because it's like a current it's like literally like a as you said energy emotion could be you can use the abbreviation energy in motion right it is an emotion is literally a current of energy that's flowing through you so energy has to flow like electricity has to flow it's the same thing if you try to hold on to it right and it gets trapped whether it's in your muscles or your shoulders or your back or in your mind even then it's going to twist become twisted into something unhealthy, right? And so it needs to be expressed, it needs to be felt, it needs to be let allowed to flow. But what a lot of people do, the the three unhealthy ways they deal with it is they either suppress or they repress or they express. Right. And most people understand what suppressing and repressing is, but they don't really understand that they think expression is a is a is a healthy thing. Like they think, like if, if you're angry, you go and punch the punching bag, right? You express that anger, but that doesn't that doesn't cause the anger to dissipate. It just covers it up as well. The same way suppressing and repressing do. It's you have to literally sit with that emotion and feel it in its entirety. And so, as you said, you you don't you, you weren't watching movie, movies and listening to music. Man, I've got nothing against movies and music. I, I love them. I watch them myself. But I also notice how very often it's when you don't want to sit and deal with something you don't want to sit and feel something you you reach for a movie or you reach for your phone or you reach for the the joint or whatever it is or whatever the distraction might be you like put some porn on or go get a drink at the bar or whatever it is like no one wants to sit and face and deal with those uncomfortable feelings and to me that's the root of a lot of the unhappiness and misery in the world is people they just don't want to face the stuff that's within them yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So you went and did, you did that for like five years, right? Is that how long you've been in this path for? Or?
0: Yeah, over five years now. And
1: and, and, a, and I think
0: that it's hard to deal with it. It's so painful, it's so, it's so uncomfortable. And that simply just sitting and just facing it is one way to deal with it and just face it head on, you know? But I also found that, well, you know, there's also, there's also um, other ways that would allow someone to be able to face it and, but be more, um, be in a, be in a different, be in a different state than totally mm-hmm. just be vulnerable and just, let me just feel all of it. You know, it's, it's really, it's really tough. And, and I found that's where, that's where we can actually, as we're facing it, we can actually face it but also move the energy constantly while we're facing it. So this way, by the, time, by the time we get to this complete stillness to where we are still in our body, still in our mind, and we're facing it head on, we've actually was able to release a lot of it. Because sometimes when it's so built up, we can just go, okay, I'm not even going to release it and I'm just going to just sit there and just let it all pour over me. And it's just no. like, oh man, the, the vibrations, you can feel it, it's just... It's, it's, it's really tough. But I thought, well, what, what, what would happen if we just go ahead and actually try to release um, as much of it as we can? And then now at least we have a head start. So by the time we actually face it, because at some point we still need to tap into the stillness and the silence, you know? And if we don't ever get to stillness and silence, we haven't, we haven't connected to our core. But we don't have to do that from, from a normal state, you know, and then go right into that. That middle part, we can actually go and, um, and release a lot, of the, a lot of the energy and get things to feel a lot better before we actually face it head-on.
1: Interesting. So this way it's just an easier approach. Through, through things like um, your program, like the movements, Like, is, it, is, is what you're describing, it's a physical
0: practice, right? Right. It's a physical and also a mental practice. And so I started to study, I study yoga. I studied uh, qigong, I studied massage, I studied, uh, um, well, my background was fitness and uh, muscle building, and cardio and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I studied a lot about like psychology and I started to realize like there are so many ways, you know, so many ways for us to go ahead and release, you know, release energy to get our bodies to feel better. And I started to connect the dots between the body being healthy and the body being completely having a good energy flow. There's not really much difference between the two. A healthy body is a body that has complete energy flow that is completely relaxed. If the body is not relaxed, the body's tense, it can't be healthy because there's blockages in the body. I started mm-hmm. to see it and I'm like, okay, so in reality, if we look at what practices are really good, you know, yoga is really... Is, is really good. It's helps with not only with flexibility and stretching and all these things, but it helps with grounding. It's, um, it helps with strength, but it does miss out on certain aspects, certain aspects. It does miss out on is this tremendous ability to release because you're kind of calm. The movements are not explosive. And sometimes, like you said, it feels good to punch that punching bag. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but it doesn't have that aspect. So I'm like, okay, well, but it does, but there's a lot of good points there. And then if you look at Qigong, there's there's good aspects of breathing and movement and moving in this nice flow and a lot of and a lot of techniques in there that literally is physically opening up the channels in the body, a lot of tap massage, you know, that are there to to like you physically tap your body, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's really great. But also, but it doesn't have this explosive energy, like, you know, how about the cardiovascular part? So then I started incorporate, to incorporate um, um, body weight training and calisthenics and what I've learned through all these years of, of fitness. And I'm like, okay, well, that has that part, you know, and that combined with the other two would be really, really well. And then combining massage, learning massage from, I, I shared, a, I, at one point, I had three roommates in my house and all three of them had a background in, uh, in massage. Different. Awesome. And so I learned a lot and I started to understand like, well, massage is really great. It's such a such a powerful way to release tension, to move energy around in the body, you know? But the problem with massage is, well, how often do you need it? And the, the answer to that in my mind is, well, every time you're tense, you should have yeah. a massage. Well, yeah. How often are we going to be able to have that, right? <laughs> Somebody next to us constantly... So I'm like, you know, what I actually would like is how about a way for us to release our own tension and be able to massage our own selves. And so I started to find moves, you know, that were, that were uh, really easy and simple to be able to help release our own tension without having somebody to learn where everything is at. Because that's another thing. It's like, if somebody had a, had a... I had to find something to where everybody can do it. Mm-hmm. Because if not, then people aren't able to empower themselves. Mm-hmm. you know, like I see a world to where everybody, everybody knows, n- understands how their body and their mind works, understands how their emotions, their thoughts work. And they also understand the true fundamentals of how to take care of themselves. Not when I get sick, I go take this medicine or I go see a doctor. No, when you get sick, you know exactly what to look for. You have protocols. This is just the mainstream understanding, you know, and you know exactly what you need to do, you know, and Everybody can get to that state because it's not very complicated. Marketing and media have made it complicated. And now I'm I'm here to try to make it as simple as possible because I've been in that world for a long time and most of the stuff they talk about is bullshit. It's not even real. (laughs) It's all just made to sell, you know, and God knows, like, you know, hey, it is what it is. I was in that boat, so I don't I don't hate on them for doing it. But there is a need. There is a really tremendous need right now in our in our in our planet and people need to have the accurate information and they need to have information that allows them to empower themselves. Not the information leads to them having to depend on things or pills or people. No, they, they, they can take information and apply it to themselves. So this way they empower
1: themselves. Totally agree. I I totally, you're, you're literally speaking my language, Mike. Mike, you, you have been a fascinating guest. That's, been almost an hour which really flew by um i was really immersed in that conversation and then the way you were describing what you the truths you've discovered was just was just really fascinating to me and and much appreciated i know this this episode is gonna have helped a lot of people if they want to if the listeners want to find out more about your your work and, and what you do and then the the way you've packaged this information into these these programs where, where should they go they can go to flowtribe.us and, uh, flow
0: is my online training club. It's basically where we have an accountability group and we train every single day. And if they want to go and train with me and discuss all these different topics and workouts and all this stuff, they can just go there. If they want to check out my YouTube channel, they can just type in Mike chain, or they can go to Instagram or go to like Mike chain official. You know, it's where I post videos on a, on a regular you know, talking about these topics.
1: Mike, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate you.
0: Thank you so much, Nick.
1: Wow, uh, it was pretty intense, and um, so much in there that resonated with me. The first thing that I, I really appreciated is, you know, this idea of his where he was saying how he never had an injury up until that point that he hadn't been able to heal himself, and uh, you know, I'm at the point in life where I'm, I'm pretty inherently distrustful and skeptical of Western medicine. And I say that with some caveats, like for trauma and infection, there's nothing better. I always say if hypothetically uh, I broke my arm or I got some sort of infection in my, in my body, like an abscess tooth or something, I want medical Western, Western medical treatment straight away. There's no doubt about it. But for everything else, I'm more inclined to do the same as Mike, and that is try to heal my body myself without pharmaceuticals or without intervention of a doctor who usually especially in this country just wants to get you into the system and start billing you you know and and operate and cut and burn and prescribe and whatever else it is they do so i'm of the same opinion as him that it's um i, I always try to fix things myself you know but also on a deeper level i agree totally with what he was saying about how this physical injury in his body was a manifestation of something in his mind or maybe even in his spirit i've seen that in my own experience in particular in this year over the course of this year i had a a particular injury in my in my upper back it wasn't even an injury it was just a a niggling pain and a discomfort and um, you know through a lot of deep meditation i figured out that it was actually tied to something that i'd experienced several years ago an emotional trauma that i'd experienced and Once I dealt with that emotional trauma, uh, once I literally sat with it and processed it and stopped running away from it, that particular thing disappeared, right? Now, I know that sounds really out there. It's not something I would have believed as few as 10 years ago, as little as 10 years ago. I would have said that sounds totally crazy and it's bullshit, but there's definitely something to it. You know, we are a matrix of mind, body, and spirit. All those things are interlinked. You know, some people take it a little bit too far and they forgo all Western medicine and they think that everything is a sign or, you know, if they stub their toe, it's because they did something wrong last week or, you know, they take it too far, but there definitely is something to it. Uh, and I think you're doing yourself a great disservice if you don't at least explore a little bit of that connection. If you if you are ill, if you have some kind of disease, if you don't start exploring that connection between or potential connection between it And, um, you know, what's going on in your mind or or your spirit. So that, that really resonated with me. And then, as I said, in the intro, uh, I loved the fact that he, he realized he was being inauthentic, right? He had this, this moment of truth where he realized that his life was being lived based on what other people thought he should live or how other people thought he should live or how society thought he should live. And he had the courage to step away from that. Right now. I know a lot of you are listening to this and thinking, oh, that's too out there. And, you know, I still want to succeed in life and I still want to have a a good life and have material goods and, you know, enjoy a high standard of living. And it's not going to be possible to do that if I'm that out there. But Mike is a perfect example of someone who does have it all. And largely he has it all because he's been following his instincts and connecting with that part of himself. You know, he lives a life. Most of us could only envy he travels the world whenever he wants. He's got a successful online business. You know, he's successful by any metric, right? He's ha- he's healthy, he's happy. And the more I, I study success, the more I see that it's the people who have the combination of being in the here and now in the practical world and, and getting their shit together as well as also connecting with that deeper aspect of themselves, those are the ones who win the game of life. People who choose one without the other usually end up, you know, with they're, they're compromising. So, for example, the people who just go after money and just go after succeeding in, in the world—I've seen it over and over—they're they're fucking miserable most of the time, right? Because they usually compromise their health or their morals or this, or they sell their soul to the devil, right, to to get there. And that that's not the path to happiness and fulfillment. Trust me when I say that. However, on the other side of the equation is the guy who's just like, you know, law of attraction, man. The universe is going to take care of everything. And I'm just going to sit on my couch and like, you know, make it all happen using my mind. And then that guy is like, he's broke, right? Doesn't even have money to buy incense at the end of the month. So to me... You know you've got to you've got to walk if you want to win the game right to, to really win the game to to have to have it all which is what i want right like i'm not settling for less than the best of everything in life and i, I hope you make the same decision but to get to that point you know if i look at the, the people who've made it they've all got a connection to that to that higher self or to that spirit or universal source or whatever you want to call it uh one of the examples i'm the fond of talking about is Steven Spielberg right someone once asked him how does he know which scripts to go with and which to turn down and he and he said I listen for the whispers right and that wow that was such a cool thing for me to hear because that's something I'm also trying to do always in my life is just listen for those that deeper part that like that quiet little voice that that knows the truth and knows what's best for you you know and if you look at a lot of the biggest business success stories in life or the biggest success stories full stop they all had that moment where they were were like guided by something bigger than themselves or they felt like the direction of something bigger than themselves and i truly truly hope if you're listening to this and you haven't yet started to engage with that aspect of life that you that you start the easiest way to do that is to start meditating okay guys i hope you enjoyed that episode with mike chang i thoroughly did and we'll be back soon with another episode until next time love and light